Bloody Elbow presents the Level Change Podcast, a combat sports variety show that brings you analysis, fight breakdowns, and insightful discussion of MMA's biggest headlines. Here are your hosts, Steffi Haynes and Victor Rodriguez. Welcome back, and thank you for listening to episode 218 of the Level Change Podcast. I'm Steffi Haynes, and I'm joined, as always, by my amazing co-host, Victor Rodriguez. And today, we'll be discussing the possible sale of the WWE, Khabib Nurmagomedov's future plans, Diego Sanchez's surprising fight booking, and more. But first, Victor, I must know, what did you think of Dana's surprise appearance at the presser today? Interesting. Um... Is it enough to undo a lot of the bad juju that he's brought upon himself? Uh, no, <laughs> no, come on, no. Um, I, interesting effort, I suppose, with a little bit of what I saw. Um, brazen, I suppose, for making it a surprise thing, but I that, that is kind of his style. I think it's, um, Interesting because you don't want to make a whole big hullabaloo. If you announce it ahead of time, you're going to attract maybe a little more attention than what you'd want. So it, it is a little slick, I suppose. Um, I, I, I've just been looking at this from a strategic standpoint. I know it sounds cynical, but let's be real. They're doing it for that purpose. I, I doubt that 100% of this is from the bottom of their hearts. So um, yeah. you know, I, I kind of have to look at it through that view. I don't know. What, what did you think of the whole thing? I am also looking at it under a very suspicious lens. They waited all this time. How many days has it been? We are on day 11 of the new year. So they've waited 11 days to follow up Dana's initial statement. And what's funny is that it comes just two days after the women's caucus, that that whole group of politicians called for Dana White to resign. Mm. Um, it it speaks volumes to me that that's when they do it, when they uh, are getting lots and lots of backlash from basketball stars and, and movie stars and who knows what else. But lots of people are pointing at ESPN and CNN and wondering where's the coverage. They're pointing to Endeavor and Disney and ESPN wanting to know where's the statement. You guys are all in bed together. Where's your statement? You know, I saw a a report that Disney's, um, you know, head honcho Bob Iger is out there talking about how he's going to crack down on remote workers how about you crack down on domestic abuse because somebody that's making you a ton of money was caught on camera smacking up his wife it doesn't matter the circumstances that got him to that point the point is is that somebody you're in bed with for billions of dollars was caught on video smacking up his wife it's a bad look yeah for most you know, for myself, I want him to step down entirely, permanently. Let Hunter Campbell run everything. But I'd be willing to settle for, you know, a year, six months even. Nothing less than six months would work for me. And even then, it wouldn't exactly work for me. But it would be the least that I would accept and and not think to myself, these people are just... They don't even care. 
Well, it's also interesting and out of note that they waited this close to their next event. Well, also remember, the 18th is the slap league. And so Dana, with his name being on it, (laughs) he's got to be out there and he's got to put forth uh, a public face. Now, he went out there and he said, you know, under no circumstances should anyone defend what I did. It is indefensible. But I saw someone in Twitter comments make mention of him interacting with other fighters that pretty much said that his wife had it coming, that he was interacting in a joking <laughs> manner with people. Relaxing like old who mentioned this earlier in the week, they're like, you know, you think you're doing something by taking a stand and defending a man's right to, you know, either, you know, quote unquote, defend himself or stand his ground, what have you. But that is still the boss's wife. Like, it's still not a good look, regardless of the cheering you're getting for that. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's interesting that even he had to mention that, like, yeah, no, no, guys, 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 please stop, stop saying that, stop saying that, that I was right to do it. It's, it's not, it's, we're not looking good with that. I don't know. I, I just, I did find that a little humorous and, and somewhat refreshing, like 10%. But again, none of this goes, I don't know, none of this stuff goes far enough to me. Like, forget it. I, with the cynicism with which this is being done and treated, forget it. Yeah. And then you have his comments saying that basically the the UFC would just crumple up if he went away, that it wouldn't help the UFC, it wouldn't help the fighters, blah, blah, blah. That's bullshit. That he's he's gone away and, and been absent for weeks at a time and nobody gave a shit. Nobody would give a shit now because people are tuning in to see Dana at the pressers. They're tuning in to watch the fights. Mm-hmm. Hunter can do your job just fine. But Dana is out here trying to um, set his own punishment. He shouldn't be the one making these calls at all, period. All right, so we are going to move on to our first order of business about rumors that the WWE is up for sale. And further, the rumors are saying that Saudi Arabia is in talks to buy it. If we go back in our memory palace, we will recall that Stephanie McMahon went on a leave of absence like almost two years ago, some some time back. And then when her father, Vince McMahon, had all of this fallout over all of the sex scandals and paying off women and this, that and the other, all of the misconduct, he went away and guess what? Stephanie came back. And she was running things and everything was going good. And then last week, it was announced (laughs) that Vince McMahon is going to go ahead and come back. And I saw some tweets from some insiders saying that he basically held everyone hostage, saying that if you guys try to do anything, I will tank the company. If you try to prevent me, I will tank the company. And so all of these rumors are swirling around. And then yesterday, Stephanie McMahon takes another leave of absence, but she takes it a step further with a formal press release. And she resigned entirely from the company. Uh, She didn't refer to it as a retirement complete resignation said that she feels that it's in capable hands with her husband and um she sort of as an afterthought mentioned her father 
But, I mean, the writing's on the wall here. Things are falling apart at the seams back there. WWE is entering a critical juncture in its history with the upcoming media rights negotiations, coinciding with increased industry-wide demand for quality content and live events, and with more companies seeking to own the intellectual property on their platforms. Uh, That was uh, Vince McMahon saying that in a statement. The only way for WWE to fully capitalize on this opportunity is for me to return as executive chairman and support the management team in the negotiations for our media rights and to combine that with a review of strategic alternatives. My return will allow WWE as well as any transaction counterparties to engage in these processes knowing they will have the support of the controlling shareholder. So they've already been having these uh, events there in Saudi Arabia for several years, and they estimate that each one of these events earns them about 50 million apiece. So here's Saudi Arabia. They're known for wanting to do some sports washing because, you know, they are big time human rights abusers, big time warmongers. I mean, it's it's a place that needs to to cleanse their history of of doing all these things and they're trying to do it through sports they're not just sports washing their past they're trying to sports wash their present and yeah, their future of course, of course. i mean the yemen thing we don't hear about it on the cover of the new york times but the way that they have been systemically starving and bombing the shit out of that place and that alone that alone has been horrific let alone what goes on within their own borders um it's maniacal shit. And yeah, look, it's not real, but it's entertainment. And most importantly, it's lucrative. What you have to remember is that these people have – they speak money and not much else. They don't need to – they don't need to worry too much about other things because they're able to compensate with their own financial backing. And what I mean by that is this, right? Like they had a series of events with WWE called Crown Jewel where they would stage yes. events in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to get too deep into how those have gone. There have been some mishaps, including some hang up about money in which a plane full of performers and staff and crew was stranded in Saudi Arabia until the matter had been addressed. Uh, They have a working relationship already with WWE. They have the pockets. They have the desire to make this part of their portfolio. So when the initial reports came out, it made a lot of sense. A lot of people were like, yeah, okay, wow. They just took it at face value and said, damn, it's, it's happening, you know? It's not concluded. It's not concrete. We don't have any definitive statement on you know whether or not. It seems that they're still pursuing other buyers. And given that they have um, done away with their uh, their online service in favor of signing with Peacock and their partnership with NBC, maybe they're trying to juice uh, something here with the NBC. Maybe they're trying to test the waters and find what can happen with that. But in terms of the um, the Saudi purchase of it, I mean, these aren't exactly the best minded people for it. When they had those crown jewel events, they requested certain performers. They wanted the biggest stars and the best names and all this other stuff. And it became a bit of a problem because when you want to have women that wrestle, it's like, well, yeah, fine. We'll take them, but they got to dress a certain way. Now you're kind of infringing a little bit on the product. And now you're making certain demands or requests of the talent that 
wouldn't usually be there to deal with the cultural mores of the ownership. But then something really interesting happened. One of the matches, they had a guy, this Japanese sumo wrestler dude. No one had ever heard of him. And people were flabbergasted. They're like, what happened? Who was that guy? What did, what, what, who's, who, what did this whole thing, where did this come from? It turns out that they had wanted Yokozuna, former WWE champion Yokozuna, to show up and make an appearance. A bit of a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. Yokozuna died like 15 or so years ago. Mm-hmm. So no, that wasn't really going to happen. So like these are people that are, again, yeah, they, they know what they want. They're not very big on ideas past the initial concept. And uh, as it relates to, you know, how this would affect, um, you know, this whole entertainment thing and why we're talking about it on a podcast that deals largely with combat sports and punchy face in general, uh, you know, these these folks have the performers, I mean, and, and have a similar relationship to ownership and they have similar problems in terms of ownership getting in bed with heinous dictatorships and groups that really should not be under any circumstances uh, entertained or humored or dealt with. But one championship held events in Myanmar during the Rohingya massacre. Not a peep out of that. No conflict of interest there. Shenzhen, China was having some serious riots by the time the UFC was setting up an event out there. And, and they've been, you know, having no problem with it. I mean, of course, like, look, I mean, some of the stuff that we see in China is uh, overhyped and overblown. I mean, I'm not a big fan of a lot of the China criticism that we see. But, you know, let's be real. There's there's there is some pretty weird and hinky shit going on with that. And um a lot of it is just insane corruption. So uh, it is massive. It is because, you know, this is WWE had been sort of not doing as great. It did pretty well. It got shaky with Vince McMahon being outed as not just a creep, but an absolute more heinous monster than we knew him to be. Gets forced out of his company, manages to use legal loopholes to come back, fire a bunch of people, establish dominance, and now he's trying to sell it. It's like he's trying to burn the whole thing down. Uh, I, it really is a, a terrible mess. And uh, if you're a fan of professional wrestling, well, you know, I, I don't know what kind of ethical lens you view this through. I don't know how you um, – what what really you what, what solace you can take in terms of uh, any potential positives from there? I, it really is very sad to me. But you know that's that's uh, that's business, and that's um, unfortunately the state of things when you want to make all these deals and and um, and and just uh, make a. Um, make a quick buck and 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 not really worry about the consequences. And speaking of making a quick buck. We have more unfortunate news. I mean, maybe you might be ambivalent about it, but I know that I'm uncomfortable with it, and I have an inkling, Steffi, that you might be uncomfortable with it as well. Former USC icon Diego Sanchez is out to make his next combat sports venture. Nope, it's not related to professional wrestling. Actually, he's going to be where else? Where all MMA dreams go to die bare knuckle and it's one thing for a guy to leave mma join bare knuckle and fight other mma guys we've seen this with like valley flag and mike perry and a couple other dudes no he's going to be fighting former boxing competitor austin trout former wa light middleweight champion austin trout now look austin is not in his um heyday anymore he's nowhere near his prime then again neither is diego and yes he will be contending with the difference of not having to wear gloves you know how that'll affect his hands how that'll affect him receiving damage from bare bones and flesh uh he is 37 years old but uh yeah it it it's a little um it's a little hinky i mean new mexico their athletic commission is 
they initially had not approved the matchup because Sanchez is 41, Trout 37. There seems to have been some sort of a uh, uh, fitness uh, situation. I guess they had evaluated Diego and they weren't 100 percent sure uh, as to whether or not it was the best way to proceed with it or he failed outright. That's not clear. However, it turns out afterwards uh, they had provided results for things, including an MRI, including uh, neurological tests, and they found that, okay, you know what, fine, he's good to go. Okay, he might be good to go. He might be 41. He might be a great-looking 41. I mean, he acquitted himself very, very well in that Eagle FC fight. But you already know this dude's touched in the head. We already know he's fighting because he's broken. What do you do with a guy like that? You can tell him to stop fighting until the cows come home, but... This is the best way for him to make a relatively larger payday. This guy's not just going to go drive for UPS. This guy's not just going to go off and get a CDL. You understand where this is going, and you understand the ethics of this because we've all been down this goddamn road so many times, and we're back at it again. Here's another fighter who was run through the paces. He's now shot. He's now burnt and bust. He's not going to be in the greatest, the biggest league in MMA anymore. And he's looking around for paydays to see what he can find. And he's got the equivalent of combat sports. So what would be, I don't know, maybe best compared to the Atari game, Pit Fighter. I don't know how much Bare Knuckles paying these guys. I doubt that it's well enough for them to continue to go through this on a long-term basis because we don't see too many guys do this on a long-term basis. But then again, this is a relatively new thing. And the opponent, the setup, the controversy as to whether or not he was fit to do it, and one of the commission members saying that they could not in good faith authorize it, and then having that turnaround, I, it just it seems like a lot to me. And I I just feel sad, man. This guy just finally got released from the clutches of Fabia, and now he's here. So, Steffi, what do you make of this situation? Am I being too grim about it, or is this maybe not the worst thing for him? It's grim for all the parties, actually. If you want to know where mid-level boxers go, this is this is where they go. And let me read to you. Austin Trout just fought December 9th in Hidalgo, Texas. He fought July 15th before that in Wuppertal, Germany. He fought August 13th of 2021 at the Hotel Atlantis in Dubai. Oh, he God. fought February 6th before that in Chihuahua. He fought February of 2020 at the Inn of the Mountain Gods Resort and Casino in Ruidoso, New Mexico. Oh, boy. He has won his last five fights. But this is what happens when you don't have a huge name and you're relatively good. You go to the farthest reaches of the earth and you fight people that don't even have wiki entries. Florin Cardos, Alejandro Davila, Juan Armando Garcia, Ross Bell Montoya, Juan de Angel. But this is a guy that fought both the Charlos, Arislandi Lara, and Canelo Alvarez, those are his losses. Jarrett Hurd, the the the, uh, the Charlos, Arislandi Lara, and Canelo Alvarez. That is oh it. God. Five losses on his record. That's it. But this is where he's at. He's going to have to fight Bare Knuckle FC against a guy that shouldn't shadow box himself, much less be in Bare Knuckle Jesus FC. Christ. So this guy is going to fight Diego. 
And if you're wondering if he's a a small little boxer, he's not. He's five foot ten. He's about the same height, maybe even an inch or two taller than Diego. Because I haven't pulled up Diego's criteria here yet. Let me let me take a look here real quick. So anyway, I I just I'm I'm curious about something here, and it's the fact that we keep saying that and we keep seeing it as it relates to. Um, to MMA fighters making the move. We, we, we joke about it all the time and I mean, it's grim and I get it, but this is, we're seeing a boxer, like a legit actual boxer that held a legit title yeah. in bare knuckle in this situation. So I'm curious, is this a matter of like, okay, is this showing that they got pockets or is this showing how deep the decline was? Is this a, a result of various factors here in this ecosystem? Like, it, it is curious because, again, you don't see too many of these guys doing that. We saw Pauli Malignaggi have that um, – what do you want to call that? That grudge match, which <laughs> he got the work from the god, Artem Lobov. But, yeah, that kind of – that that really did kind of stick with me for a bit. I, I just find all of this incredibly strange. Well, I think they have money, actually. I don't think that it's the kind of money that Paige Van Sant thought it was, where that she mm. could make a whole new career and just be sitting pretty and cushy. Mm. No, it didn't work out like that for her. At yeah, all. And, and uh, you, you're looking at Mike Perry. It'll work out for somebody like Mike Perry, who is content with scraps. Somebody mm-hmm. like Paige Van Sant is not content with scraps. That girl, she she was brought in, put on a pedestal because of what she looks like and because she had a no-quit attitude, you know? I mean, you were always guaranteed an exciting fight with Paige and you were guaranteed that, you know, she was going to come out looking beautiful when she when she made her walkout. She's, mm-hmm. she's a beautiful young lady and she's making money hand over fist without having to get beat up in 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 a bare knuckle ring but they originally when when they brought her over that all of the buzz was about how much money she was going to make and then you know a year out she's saying you know it, it ain't half the money i thought it was <laughs> that's what those are her words in an interview that it was nothing like what she was led to believe wait a minute wait a minute who is her agent I have no idea to be quite honest. I do. Wasn't it the Cowas? Oh, I could have sworn it was. I could have sworn one of them had their grubby, greasy little mitts on this. It was Malky. I'm almost positive it was Malky. But the point I'm making here is that uh, Diego Sanchez needs money. He probably let Fabia siphon off so much of it without even realizing it was gone. So Diego is in the unfortunate situation where he has to keep fighting because he has no life skills. I doubt anybody wants to hire him to teach jiu-jitsu or anything like that, which he's probably really good at because he's undependable, unreliable, and has issues. So because of all of that, here you have Diego having to fight in bare knuckle FC against a currently active boxer that's four years his junior and is on a five fight win streak. Now it doesn't matter who his win streak is against. Remember what we're looking at is that the only five men to beat him are top level guys. <clears throat> so I'm telling you, I think the, and I looked up Diego's height, some Places have him listed at 5'9". Some have him listed at 5'10". So he will be 
equal in size or maybe an inch shorter than Austin Trout because Austin Trout is 5'10". So. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I, I, I got nothing, man. I just feel like, you know, Fight Ready is in Albuquerque. You know, uh, uh, Luttrell has his gym with, with Yee down there in Albuquerque. Like, he doesn't oh, want to leave New Mexico. It. You'd be thinking, like, damn, aren't, why isn't he working with one of these guys? Like, you'd think he'd be a pretty good fit as a coach, as a wrestling instructor, as something, you know? I'm not saying he's got to open his own gym, but maybe it would be nice. And I get the money isn't going to be the same. Look, I get, like I I mean, I mentioned it myself. He's probably going to make five figures at, at, you know, at its lowest, right? At worst, right. he's going to be making five figures off this, which he, he probably isn't going to. He will not make six because they right, already yeah, well, know right. that they can have Diego for a song. If he makes 10000 I would be shocked. No, I mean, I, I think he probably, if I had to guess, I'd say he'd probably making somewhere in the neighborhood of like, you know, 20 to 30. Um and and I hope it's more, frankly. I, I really do. Although there, it does have it does have the double edged um, problem of being a thing where he's going to want to get another taste and another taste. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be his thing, and he's going to stick with it, for, even though he probably shouldn't. But it's just like coaching money isn't great. But damn, it would be nice. It would be nice to see him just sort of sit still. Maybe he could find more of that inner peace he's been chasing forever if he just didn't have to do all this. But you know, it's it's the demand is there and the itch to compete. I've said it before. I use the term every time and I use it unabashedly. These people have a psychotic level of dedication to pursue whatever it is, whatever glory and whatever success that they can find. And this is what you're seeing here in action, guys. This is this is just yet another manifestation of it in the flesh. Yeah, because they get a taste of fame and they want to keep it. Yeah, not just the fame, it's the paychecks. <laughs> I mean, I'll know? tell you someone who doesn't care about that, though. Mm, yeah, Habib Nurmagomedov. Yeah. Now, mm. a couple of weeks ago, not even been two weeks, it's been about, you know, six or seven days, maybe eight days at the at the most, uh, reports came out that Khabib, uh, Habib, excuse me, uh, was taking some time away from his big coaching career and MMA in general. You know, he's got Eagle FC. He's got all these sponsor deals in place. And he wants to take a step back. Um, And I'm going to quote to you from uh, the publication TAS.RU. Khabib has left the MMA industry. He will no longer train, will not be present with the team at training camp. This is done to spend more time with his family. He's left this sport. But the sports spirit will never leave him. And that is uh, a, that little quote came from Instagram from Shami Zavirov, who is Nurmagomedov's cousin and um, a pro fighter. All right. He has taken more than a step back, though. People started immediately wondering if he was going to pursue politics because he was actually offered a position in 2018 to be an assistant to Vladimir Vasiliev, who is the head of the Republic of Dagestan at the time. So people are automatically assuming that maybe he'll run for some office or something along those lines or whatever. And that's not the case either. Because according to Tass.ru, again, he does, it says, Khabib does not plan to pursue a political career. It is likely that he can pay more attention to his football-related business. Now, football, obviously soccer over here. We call it soccer. Anyways, 
he has um, quite the portfolio here because he has uh, mixed martial arts gyms. He's got a sports management agency. He's got a cell phone network. He's got a chain of fast food restaurants. He's got Eagle FC, which is doing quite well from what I understand. So here we are looking at him taking a complete step back from MMA because someone also uh, said in this article, a source said that even with Eagle, Eagle FC, somebody else is already running it. He's already... Khabib is so meticulous and methodic and calculated with everything he does. When he was pulling back from actively competing, he was telling us for a freaking year he was going to do it. And he did. He stuck to his guns. He left. He ain't been back. Mm. And now he's going to do the same thing. He's going to pull back entirely from MMA and focus on his other businesses. Khabib clearly had a life plan laid out. He probably worked this out with his mom, his pops before they, you know, before his pops died and everything. I just feel like Khabib had everything all lined up, ready to go from the beginning. He just seems like that type person. And we're watching it unfold right here. And he's so successful. My goodness, everything he he touches has turned to gold. He was on track to being a very, very good coach, too. He's already coached champions. Man, I i mean, I was shocked to learn that he was pulling away from MMA. But even this has a, a bit of a shock factor, too, because he's had positions offered to him. He also received the highest award, the Order of Merit for the Republic of Dagestan. So he's also been given that as well. <laughs> so, I mean, Victor, what do you make of all this? Are you as shocked as I am that he's just basically going to ride off into the sunset and all we're going to see is his dust? I'm okay with it. I'm not surprised by it. Okay, uh, I'm okay I think with it. that I'll, I'll tell you what's going on, man. You know, I think at some point you kind of stretch yourself in. You get a taste of a couple of these things and you go, you know what? I got confident enough, people. I don't need mm. to do this. I think that when you have someone who can be in something of um, what would be best described as an executive role, you know, as long as you're following along, as long as you are, uh, as long as things are falling in line with his standards, He's probably going to be okay with it. And I think that's actually pretty good, really. I don't have any sort of um, – I'm not I'm not 100% sure why it's that surprising to some folks in the sense that like, well, you know, look, obviously he said he was going to stop fighting. He doesn't need to continue to do so. He promised. He stuck with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's some people are just built different. I think the last person to understand that was Dana White. But, you know, that's – I mean, okay, fine. I had to take my shot at it. But <laughs> the point is, man, the point is – that he wants to step away from coaching. Yeah, it's probably too much goddamn work. It's all the travel. It's all this. And he's missing time away from his wife, from his kids, and from his mother. Now, can things change? Would things be different if uh, eventually the day that we all know comes, right, if she does pass away at some point in the near future and he decides, you know what, fine, I'll be a little more hands-on and all this. Yeah, maybe. But he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who has the same level of ego, 
I don't think he'd do that. I think he would keep his promise even more so if she passed. It would be like a he'd be honor bound. It's he seems like honor is a big deal. It seems so. I mean, at least when it comes to that, you know, and he's got he's had other contradictions in the past and people questioning certain things about his his um you know, initiative and some of the things that some of his actions, but at least when it comes to this He's showing a really great track record, man. He could have stepped back in at any point. He could have been more aggressive with certain things at any point. He decided not to. He's got the food. I forgot about the wireless network thing. I mean, that's actually fairly interesting. I'd love to know more about that, actually, because I, I only heard about the announcement, and then it just sort of faded from my uh, my, my radar. But uh, when it comes to him coaching and all the travel that's involved with that, I think that's the bigger strain. I think that was really what it is. It's kind of weird to see him like, OK, this week he's on a Bellator show and they're coaching somebody. Next week is at a UFC event. Then the week after that, he's in Russia at some other thing, cornering a teammate or like showing support. Like, you don't need you're stretching yourself thin, man. And, and you know, look, I, he's not super hands on when it comes to things. I don't think he understands the nuances of like cell phone towers and coverage and upload speeds, much like he doesn't understand um, 100% the nuances of what goes into a cheeseburger or whatever the hell they sell at his food place. You know, I, 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 there's there's only so much that he needs to know and that he needs to be involved with in a direct manner for him to be able to have any sort of um, any any real leadership input. That's that's needed of him that in in in, in a very uh, uh, very strict sense. So I don't I it, I just I keep hearing this and I'm thinking you know what good for him and he says he's not this was the biggest one right he says that he's not going to be running for office that to to me is major like good please pretty please or sugar on top do not ruin things. Do not make things any worse for yourself or anybody else by getting yourself entangled with this whole political thing. You've already got the weirdness with Katarov and all this. Like, please, you don't need to do any of this. This is not this is not something that's going to make any sort of legacy better for you. Uh, any changes that you might want, look, you could just probably easily support some other candidate that would be better suited. I, it, it's fine. It's totally fine. See, for me, the reason why I'm shocked is because. His dedication to his teammates and to his team, the guys that he's coaching, it's always been at the forefront, all that dedication and all that emotion whenever, you know, the judges give a, a shitty decision or anything along those lines. So for him to pull completely back, I'm sure that when he started coaching and when he started Eagle MMA or um, Eagle FC, that he didn't go in there and tell everybody, yo, I'm, you know, a year and a half from now, I'm just going to pull the, pull the plug on myself and let somebody else do everything. So y'all, y'all need to know up front. He didn't yeah. do that. And yeah. so that's what took me by surprise is that he would leave uh, everything that he started for somebody else to carry on. He just, I, I was shocked by that. That's all. He seemed yeah. like a follow through guy, especially yeah. with the people that he cares about, that he coaches that are a part of his team. Yeah. Well, he seems fortunate enough to have competent enough people to, to sure, handle those but... things, I, which, you know, which, which is also good. Cause you don't want to see him be like a lot of these American athletes, like especially NFL guys, they find somebody like a cousin or a high school friend or somebody who wants to join on a venture thing. They set up a couple of wing stops and then they fail. Mm. You know, it's like it's a roll of the dice because like, yeah, maybe your buddy doesn't have the biggest uh, sense of I mean, he's got the best nose for business or maybe maybe this is not the right time for you to get into these ventures. So, I mean, I hope that 
this being outside of the scope of the U.S. and this being someone who's got the recognition and the sort of um, the 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 reputation and clout that he's got, that he's able to like at least have people that are, you know, I've, that he's that he's got people that are better suited that he could suss out some of these other folks that would be less, um, I guess, beneficial, you know, and, and and go ahead and piss away his money. But you know, hey, that's that's what it is. And we are uh, going to go ahead and move on to somebody who, well, not exactly known for pissing away money, but boy, howdy, uh, this is this is a potential fumbling of the bag. I guess I, I'm a little conflicted here with this. So this is the enigma known as Bryce Mitchell, and we have had enough to say about this man in the past. Not necessarily the sharpest knife in the drawer. You kind of feel a little bit like patting him on the head. Amazing grappler. Good fighter, not exactly making the best decisions and not exactly someone who was in the best of situations. Now, recently he discussed his recent loss to um, Ilya Taporia and how he was sick before the fight and all these other things. And if you want to look at that as excuse making, fine. If you want to look at that as him trying to save face after talking big and losing the way he did, fine. Reality is it's already settled business. He lost to someone who's a super bright prospect. And if I were him, in that situation, I'd maybe just keep giving the guy props because that's a loss that looks really, really good on your record, despite how badly you got your ass handed to you. But hey, that's just me, and he's just him. And we're seeing yet another example of Bryce Mitchell being Bryce Mitchell because he was in it. He's being interviewed by Brett Akimoto, and he had the strongest call out. I mean, the strongest of all call outs. Guess who he called out? You want to guess? You want to guess? Check it out. Check it out. Alexander Volkanovsky. Yes. The featherweight champion, a potential all-time best ever featherweight, a guy who has beaten a bunch of super tough contenders, including people that it seemed that he would not be able to be, like Aldo, like Holloway, twice. But Mitchell wants a piece of him. And not only that, he seems very, very upset about it. Quote, I'm tired of him talking about there's no other contenders. He ain't fighting the toughest motherfuckers. That's what's up with him. He's getting the easy fucking fights. These contenders are taking each other out. That's what's going on. Okay, uh, sure. Let's 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 hear a little more from him. Let's go back into the well. Let's dip our beak into this one a little more. He's being paid a hundred times what I get paid to fight motherfuckers. It ain't even as hard as the motherfuckers I'm fighting. So that's what's going on. So Alexander Volkanovsky, he wants to fight an easy contender right here. Somebody he can just beat up and get paid easy money. Hey, come on, buddy. I'm easy money. Um, okay. This is something that has come about because Volkanovsky is slated to fight Islam Makachev in a title versus title fight. And Makachev, not exactly a pushover. None of the guys that Volkanovsky has fought in a very long time have been pushovers. I don't think anyone that he's fought in the UFC has been someone that could be seen as an easy fight. But this is what Mitchell's going with. People are knocking each other off. Like, really? You care to explain the Holloway fights? You care to explain all? You care to explain Korean Zombie? You think that's an easy fight? You think that's someone? This isn't. Th- these are his examples of people that are knocking each other off or bumping each other off. He hasn't even fought. Uh, uh, oh my goodness, uh, his name escapes me. Now. Josh um, Emmett, not Emerson. Josh Emmett. I was going to say Emerson. I'm thinking Rob Emerson for some reason. I'm terrible. But so yeah, I mean, look, has he fought some of the bigger names? Yes. Has he essentially? cleared out some of the bigger names yes not all of them but you know he's 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 getting there and he's establishing himself in a very solid position and an enviable one and by all measures 
But number one, you can't call somebody out like that, someone who is a champion, after you just had a loss and a pretty bad one, circumstances notwithstanding. Number two, you do it like this in a matter that's like this kind of mopey, pathetic thing of like, hey, hey, you, you want to beat me up for a paycheck? Sure, I'll do it. Who's going to sign off on that? You think you think that maybe Sean Shelby is going to say, yeah, you know what, sure. You think Mick is going to go in and be like, yeah, that's a great idea. You think Dana White's going to rubber stamp that one? You really think that's what's going to make the most money? You really think that's what's going to be the most convenient and important thing that they could do? Let's say Volkanovski win or lose against Makachev. They book this fight next. Is anyone going to be happy with this other than Bryce Mitchell? I doubt that he'd even get a pay bump. I doubt that he'd even get a main event slot. And even if he does, he's not guaranteed to make pay-per-view points. What is the play here? He wants to make more money. He brings it up. He talks about how Volkanovski's paid, quote, hundreds of times what he's making. Hey, maybe take that up with your manager. Maybe take that up with your boss. You've been kissing his ass long enough. But, you know, that's where you want to take your qualms, right? You want to take it out on the other guy who's making more money than you. Instead of asking yourself why, much like the Sage Northcutt situation where everybody piled on poor kid and nobody, nobody asked, how come I'm not getting more in my bucket? They went, well, how come his is bigger than mine? And this is what you're seeing here. I just don't get it, man. I, look, I don't think there's any fixing this. I don't think there's any way you can make somebody who is doggedly ideological as he is. You're not going to make him see reason. But if you were in the situation, Steffi, of having to deal with this, how would you put him down as gently as you could? What would you say and how would you frame this to make sure that this kid understands, hey, man, this shit's not going to happen? Bryce, you are ranked number 11. You just got your ass handed to you by number nine. You want to fight goat status, Volkanovsky? Sir, please stand down before you get hurt. Okay. I mean, I, I'm thinking that this matchup is more like the he's handling this the way he handled that drill that he had on his tool belt. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not thinking he, – he's not uh, – no, he, he didn't – He's not taking proper precautions here. He's not handling this as safely as he could. He's really not. And the other thing, too, talking about people just knocking in, knocking each other off and everything. Did he miss the Ortega fight? Did he, he miss <laughs> that? Because that wasn't just some casual knocking off of, of the number one guy. Alex, I mean, he says in multiple interviews he's never been that close. Never. That was not an easy thing to get out of, and it happened twice in that fight. Come yep. on. Mm -hmm. Bryce Mitchell is dumb. There's no two ways about it. I'm sorry. He's dumb. Flat earth and all, he's dumb. He's <laughs> wonderful inside the cage. Outside the cage, I prefer not for him to ever speak again. Just, you know, zip it. Keep it zipped. You know what's funny? I, it was noted here, Milano Ordonez, shout out to him. He uh, noted in his when he did his post here for, for us for Bloody Elbow, he threw in this tidbit here that uh, was gleaned from elsewhere where he discussed that, uh, just again, he just mentioned this in passing, that Mitchell spoke about retiring on a farm and going back to bartering and self-sustainability without relying on money. You can't do that and want a PS5, my guy. You can't do that and want like an iPhone. I, it just doesn't. You're not going to be trading a chicken for also, a Ford Mustang. It's not, I, I don't. I mean, the guy's also a big gun nut. He has guns. They don't take barter for guns. I'm what, what is, what is, how can this continue to happen in the era of the internet? You would think, I remember being young and dumber than I am now, if you could believe it, and thinking, man, you know what? Now there's not going to be any excuse. 
arguments can be settled a lot easier. And to a degree, that is true, right? We can find so much as a wealth of information that you have at your fingertips. And I've learned so, so, so much of things that I probably would have never been able to uh, to even fathom having any interest in purely by having access to the internet. And this is what this guy does with it. I don't believe in science. Like, the fuck, bro? Damn. You're like, well, you just... You know, you want to you want to not be too mean, but like at the same time, like, fuck, bro, you're not doing yourself any favors. This ain't helping at all. All right. We must move on because we have our first card of the year. Now, I do have Mookie's picks and Mookie is going to be joining us for Tuesday's show because it will be before any titles are fought for. So when he joins us, it'll be to make his beginning of the year picks with us where that we will choose who will be champ and who will be not at the end of the year. But for now, we can pick this and we have selected five fights. Of course, they are the main card fights. We're going to start off with Umar Nurmagomedov versus Hani Barcelos and Mookie is taking Umar Nurmagomedov. I'm going to have to concur. I, I forgot that Barcelos is, what is he, 35? Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, it's a good 35. Don't get me wrong. I, he's, he's, he's tough. He's great. But There's Umar, a lot of wear and tear a bit on those 35 years, though. That's the thing, man. That's the thing. It's the grind. You know, how much... Mm, Umar runs a ragged pace. Mm-hmm. He really does. And, you know, looking just looking at his fights in PFL, the two bouts that he had there, you know, little little stints that he had there. I mean, that that's where I was like, okay, this this dude, finished product, doesn't need much polish, but he got more polish. <laughs> oh, man. It's, uh, mm, I don't think uh, this this is the kind of thing where like six months of sprawl training is even a, like a seasoned and established veteran who's got a lot of great attributes, who's got a lot of great uh, boxes checked on his list. You know, there's just there's this kind of puzzle, much like the Habib legacy, right? The Namaga made off strain, much like the like we were talking about pro wrestling to open the show. Right. This is like the Samoan family. They're their own different kind of problem, you know. They're they're a clan that you just you don't want to rock with them. You don't want to mess with them, you know. And uh, that's that's kind of what I'm seeing here. The, the Magomedov formula is going to be in full effect, and frankly, there's not much you can do to stop it. I'll be taking Umar Namagomedov as well. Next up, we have Ketlin Vieira versus Raquel Pennington. This is going to be a snoozer, but it matters. It's an impactful hmm. fight. And, hmm, Rocky's so tough. I'm going to take Vieira, but I'm not real confident in it. Here's the thing. I, I kind of think this might this might actually be a cracker. This actually might be pretty damn good. Like, I don't have too many high hopes for it, but the potential for action is kind of there. I mean, no, Pennington... Not. Pennington, Pennington is, is the most boring. Fu- Come on, Victor. You she's got a tendency to smother and make fights ugly and absorb tendency? damage. Yes, all of them. I know all of them. There I is know. nothing here but misery. Victor. I kind of think that there might be oh, a potential so, for them to slug so, it out a little. So, I don't know. You are so kind. You are so kind. This is. I'm a- not. I'm not saying there's a high probability, but I mean it's there. Uh-uh. I, you know, likely it impossible. Is- I'm weighing the two things. <laughs> Listen, this is the beer run fight of the night right here. This is mm-hmm. the fight where you say, "Man, 
I better go get my beer now during this fight before the real good ones start. <laughs> because let me tell you what they follow it with. Punahele Soriano versus Roman fucking Kopilov. Okay, two dudes that, one, don't know what quit means. Mm-hmm. Two dudes that got heavy hands. Mm-hmm. Kopilov, his chin, I don't know what the hell it's made of, but he, wow, that dude can take a licking. Uh, I, 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 I kind of want to pick Pennington because again, like she does, she does have that, that it's really tough to look good against her. Um, I guess the smarter pick is going to be Vieira. Uh, moving along to Soriano and Kapilov, I think Kapilov, I think he's going to make this a much tougher fight for Soriano than, than expected. But I got to trust Punaele on this one, man. This dude, he, he drops bombs. He's got slick and smooth boxing. But I do also worry what his, um, how he's going to deal with the particular form of grappling that Kapilov has. You know, I don't know that he's, um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that, uh, he's he's a well trained and and well uh, uh, dealt with guy. You know those extreme couture guys are you know they're they're some of the better middleweights are working there and uh, he's getting some great quality rounds and showing some uh, development. I just don't I'm I'm gonna go with him anyway. But this is a very tough fight to pick because this, these two guys are actually Who are really you going good. With? These are, I'm gonna go with Soriano. I'm gonna go with Soriano. Okay. Because you said, I'm going to go with him, and yeah, I couldn't yeah, tell yeah. if you had <laughs> it wasn't specific. I know. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to stick with Kopilov, because I don't care if Soriano has them big hands. Kopilov has a chin that can allow for those big hands. Mm. So I am thinking that, eh, yeah, I'm really, really up on the fence here, but I, I'm going to take Kopilov. All right. Co-main event time. This one was easy for me to pick. Danny Ige versus Damon Jackson. And I'm going to tell you right now, Damon Jackson's grappling is amazing. But yes, he also has yes. very good hands. And Dan Ige is a shell of himself. I cannot confidently pick him. So I'm going to take Damon Jackson, who's looked fucking phenomenal lately. So, yeah, I'm going to take Damon Jackson here. Mm, interesting. Yeah, um, I'm going to do I'm- it. I'm... I'm actually gonna go with uh, Ige. So I think is Damon. Lucky. Yeah, I, I I think that um, yeah Damon Damon's had an, an extraordinary bit. You know he had some he had some uh, not so great luck in a prior UFC run. He made it back and he's really really showing. Uh, like this is this is the guy that perhaps uh, you know we were hoping to see the uh, the first time around, but he's making the most of it now. You know he's had some again he's had some ups and downs in this run, but he's making it work for him. And I uh, um, he's on a four fight win streak, and yeah. in his last seven fights he's only lost once. He beat Mirsad Bektich. He beat Charles mm-hmm. Rosa, Camuela yeah. Kirk, Daniel Argueta, Pat Sabatini. He did. Um, yeah. But he also, he ate some some damage there that was like, hmm, I don't know, dude. Like that. that... Only from Ilya Toporia. One KO punch that landed in. No, I, even in his wins, he he did he did you know oh, he yeah, did have to sure. go through some 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 downs. That's what I'm referring to, you know. Yeah, like the Tapuri his... thing is fine. Like I mean, of course, I mean, look at Ilya now. Like that's 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 totally not even, that's not excusable. That's like well, shit. You know, you made it. You know, you made it out the other side after after fighting that dude. But but all four um, of his losses, though, they're hmm. all finishes. And um, it's not like he's losing his decisions. No, no, that's true. But I kind of feel like Ige got it, man. 
I'm I'm gonna have to go with Dan. I, oh, I think he's I'm really. Gonna ha- I'm gonna be very happy if Ige wins because that will mean that he figured something out and beat mm. a real one in Damon Jackson. Because this ain't no no ham and egg or at all. This that's is, right. This is a very tough fight, and if Ige can't get past him, you know it it's really time to set Ige back and start letting him fight. Um, I don't know. Let's see. Who who would be good for Ige to fight? Gosh, Danny Ige is 13. So we would need to do like Alex Caceres. Mm. Edson Barbosa types, you know, those those underneath. Mm. That's that's yeah, not very good. But anyways, Victor and Mookie are taking Dan Ige. I am taking Damon Jackson. Now we get to the main event, and it was supposed to be Nasardini Imovov versus Kelvin Gastelum, but Kelvin Gastelum had to have his freaking tooth sewn back in after some kind of weird-ass injury. But when he posted the picture, I cannot help but notice the obvious ringworm staff on his face that round pocket with the little center that is staff my god i know everybody wants to give connor shit but connor was on the money by saying wash your damn mats because that is staff on his face not just your mats the wise words of the dearly departed kevin randleman wash your your ass. ass yes what are you doing how do you let staff develop on your face bro what is going on i i don't it's not even like I don't even want to bring, blame him as much as like what's going on with your training partners. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it could be the fault of a few, but like a lot of people have to mess up for this to happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially the person who had it because it's like, yo, you not like, are you not taking care of this? It's not a super difficult thing to avoid. It really isn't. Clorox I mean, spray, Clorox wipes. I mean, anything with Clorox, Lysol, things that kill ninety nine point nine percent of germs. You mm-hmm. must use them in between sessions. Listen, I have been watching ferociously all of these jujitsu videos because at some point this year, I would actually like to take some jujitsu classes. However, mm. I am also seeing stories like this. And one thing that really grosses me the fuck out is the, the, the damn water slides that the mats turn into. Yeah. Sweaty yeah. motherfuckers out there. Because I'm sorry, the first time I walk in and see a fucking pool of sweat on the ground, I am out and I ain't never coming back. Well, it's going to be tough in the summer. That happens a lot. The slip and slide phenomenon is oh, real. Oh, hells no. I would be in there with my spray bottle, my towel, my Clorox wipe. I'll go in there. Have you ever Listen. seen Naked Gun with Leslie Nielsen? Well, of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. you know when they, when they, they, they practice safe sex and they put the mm. full body condom on? That yeah. would be me going to jiu-jitsu if I see... One drop of sweat, much less a goddamn ocean. Man, Mm -hmm. I have seen some videos. Victor, how the fuck? No, no, no. You know what's funny? Now you got me thinking about that history class I took where they describe what full body condoms were like in like the 15th century or whatever. <laughs> and I really don't want to think about that. So what I'm going to say is that, yeah, I mean, it might be a thing, but let's hope that you're at a gym where they're staying on top of that. And the two most important things I learned from Eddie Bravo is fighting from the dogfight position and the miracle that is Lamisil. Yeah, that's the thing, man. That's <laughs> that you find any bad juju on your skin at any point. Like, hey, hey. 
That's not supposed to be there. Lamisil is going to be the most effective thing. I, I you know, forget Lotrimin and Tanactin. It's that's that's Actually, the mo- that's the one. Lamis- I wish they were they, they could I wish they'd put some money in our pockets for this one because I can't recommend them enough. L- Lamisil, that's the prescription strength one, right? I believe so, but I know that it saved me from a couple of embarrassing situations. You know what I mean? I'm like, mm, wait a minute, what's this rash? Yeah. Gone now. <laughs> it's zapped away, bitch. You're done. So, anyways, we don't get Kelvin Gastelum versus Nasserdine Imovov. We get Sean Strickland versus mm-hmm. Nasserdine Imovov. And listen, I was not excited about this fight when it was Kelvin. I am less excited about this fight than it's Sean Strickland because mm-hmm. now we've gone from a fight that was moderately impactful but was probably going to have some action in it to a fight that is moderately even more impactful because Sean Strickland is ranked higher but less action oh hell no I'm so disappointed I'm gonna take Imovov but I'm not confident because you know Sean Strickland acquitted himself well against Jared Cannonier. I don't agree with him that he won I think (laughs) Cannonier won I was waiting for that he really did hold his own in there so for that I'll give him some snaps you know but I just, I am not a fan of these quick turnarounds like this. No, no, no. He just, he just went in there and did all those rounds with, with Cannoneer. And now he's going to do this. Come on. That was no, more than right. more than that. He's kind of content to keep his foot off the gas. He's been a little, he's been more than inconsistent. And I still have the taste in my mouth of the way that he fought prior to that. You know, the whole, uh, uh, oh my. the whole tippy toe thing with Pereira. Like what, what mind space is this guy in? Right. I don't know, man. I, he should have the veteran edge against Imavov, but then Imavov is looking too damn good, man. He's looking young and spry and athletic, but can he compensate with the technique edge? You know, because that's where Strickland's really been able to drown some of these dudes when it comes to volume. But I guess maybe something changed in him. Maybe something broke. Maybe there's going to be another one of those cases where it's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe he's not as uh, – he doesn't have as much polish or development, but he's able to brute force his way through the older guy just by virtue of, you know, being not only more active but having more variety in their attacks and kind of just overwhelming them. And I, I think that there might be something to it. I mean, it's going to be tough to do because Strickland, again – established dude he's seen a lot of things in there um i i doubt that you know, this is not going to be an easy fight for either guy but i i don't you know this the short turnaround the weird fights i'm gonna go with imavov all right so all three of us are going with imavov so our picks are looking is going with nurmagomedov Vieira, soriano ige and imavov i am going with nurmagomedov Vieira, Kopilov, Damon Jackson, and Imovov. And Victor is going with Nurmagomedov. You said Vieira, right? Yes, I did. Uh, yeah, okay. Vieira, Soriano, Ige, and Imovov. And that's going to wrap up our show. Y'all got some extra content today. Just a little bit, little wee bit, but now it's time for me to do my spiel. So y'all know the routine, right? Twitter, Vic M. Rodriguez, if you want to get over there and rub elbows with a really funny, cool guy. And if you want to check out some of his photos, you should go over to his Instagram. That's Victor Sinister Rodriguez. You can follow Mookie on Twitter. That's Mookie Alexander. 
And if you want to hobnob with him, go over to SB Nation's Field Goals website, where he is the managing editor. You can follow me at Crooklyn MMA, the show at Level Change Pod. The show is also available on Facebook. That's Level Change Podcast. That's actually it's facebook.com slash level change podcast. Victor and I both work for Bloody Elbows, so you can find our stuff over there. And if you listen to the pre-recorded outro, you can find out where you can listen to all the Bloody Elbow shows. So until next time, please stay safe. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Presents production. To check out more of our content, subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is titled Bloody Elbow Presents. We're also on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, Player FM, and Amazon Music. Just search for Bloody Elbow Presents and you'll get brand new shows throughout the week, including Care Don't Care, the Level Change Podcast, the MMA Bivis Section, the Sixth Round Post-Fight Show, Sixth Round Retro, the MMA Depressed Us, Crooklyn's Corner, Exclusive Fighter Interviews, Show Money, Guest Podcasts, the Hey Not The Face Podcast, and Radio Style Play-By-Play for every UFC pay-per-view. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloody elbow blog and as always on bloodyelbow.com <laughs>